John Snyder for The Walk. We welcome today's guest, Chris Dunn, a specialist in Christian education. Chris has served as youth pastor at several churches, director of discipleship, and has taught in secondary education for Christians for nearly a decade. He holds an MA in Biblical Studies, is currently finishing a PhD in Leadership, specializing in Christian higher education. My mother and father uh, weren't, and I would still say probably aren't, Christians or believers, but I had next-door neighbors who kind of took me in under their wing, um, started taking me to church, and it was in a Sunday school class in the third grade that I heard the simple message about uh, the need for forgiveness and what Christ had done for us on the cross, and that's where my faith journey began, um, when I put my faith in Christ. And then uh, my grandmothers on each side of the family were also very um, active in church and had dynamic faiths. And so they played a role in my development as well. And I went to church with one of my grandmothers in particular um, for man, almost a decade uh, before graduating and kind of going off and, and doing my own thing. But during that time, I grew in my faith, uh, had the opportunity to go to Bible college after uh, graduation from high school, and did feel a stirring and a leading towards ministry in some way, shape, or form. And over the years, have um, had several different ministry positions as a youth pastor or director of discipleship and things along those lines, or or even working in Christian education during that time as well. So, okay. Um, now, how did you drift into Christian ed? I'm glad you're there because there's so few people now. Seem to me are choosing Christian education, and boy, do we ever need it. So how did you, um, how did you develop that, that specific interest? It came really, I think, as a response to having served a couple of years in youth ministry. And prior to that, in high school, I had worked for um, an after-school care enrichment program for probably about six or seven years before, before graduating and then a little bit after graduating and then to college. Um, and then once I graduated from college, I uh, took a position, uh, my first job out of college as a teacher at a secondary Christian institution and stayed there for almost 10 years. Oh, okay. So it was in your blood, in other words. It was, yes. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm glad. Um, I remember when I was in seminary, everybody wanted the theology stuff, uh, but there were just a handful of people went into Christian ed, and I thought, why? I mean, if there ever was a crying need in the church. It's for Christian education. And anyway, we'll leave that behind. Um, uh, the first question that I found really interesting is the question of um, staying Christian in college. That, of course, is a huge question. And uh, give me a little bit of background on what's behind that question. It actually came as a result of a seminar that I did at a youth rally that we held at one of our churches and the, the entire focus of the rally was on apologetics and getting Christian, um, Christian young folks, Christian high school students to, to really actively engage their minds with the Christian faith in a way that would help us curtail a lot of those statistics that we see thrown around a lot. Um, you often see people say, you know, people go to college and their faith subsides or oh, yeah. they, they walk away or renounce their faith. And so it was a way for us to, to kind of frame that and think about it. Ultimately, it 
for me didn't boil down to a silver bullet. There often is no silver bullet, but it was just a call back to being thoughtful, a call back to engaging well with our minds, our faith, um, a call back to the simplicity of being plugged into the local church and understanding some of the core dynamics of what it means. Um, but that's where it started. When I remember when I left high school, uh, went into college, I was totally unprepared to carry on any kind of a intelligent conversation about faith because uh, I only talked about faith in the church, not in school, and the other students didn't want to talk about it anyway, so I realized that I, I had to kind of start from scratch in some ways, figure out how to, how to communicate as a Christian. Um, along the same lines, along that same lines of the question is, uh, what, do you, what do you think of Christian colleges these days? Where do they stand in your estimate? That is a very deep and a question that has a lot of layers to it. Yeah. Um, there's certainly a spectrum, I think. Um, so I'll kind of trace maybe what I see as the spectrum, and then we can get into some more specifics if you'd like. Um, maybe on one side you have schools that are probably Christian only by a very, very faint associational title only. Um, so perhaps they have a historical theological connection, but really at the core of who they are as an institution, um, their theological, uh, their identity has really drifted from the gospel, from biblical truth, from those kinds of things. So that would be one side. And then on the other side, you've got institutions that have really uh, tried to stay true to their theological identity and try to navigate a way forward in a culture that is very hostile towards uh, Christian values and Christian truth, uh, toward absolute truth in general, as a matter of fact. And then you have institutions everywhere in between, and depending on um, administration, depending on boards, depending on um, alumni associations, all of those factors come to contribute kind of what way that institution is going to go in that spectrum. Seems like the natural drift is to uh, the secular, isn't it, for every school? And they seem like they have to fight every day just to maintain their um, their gospel orientation. It does seem like that's the trend. Um, it does seem that it, it, it drifts in that direction. Uh, an analogy that came to mind, um, I think it was Moeller, Al Moeller, who mentioned it in a talk that he was giving, was faced with you know the the rapids of modernity, uh, you can either hold on tight to the cargo or you can jettison the cargo. And for institutions of Christian higher education, the cargo are those doctrinal, theological, um, distinctive Christian beliefs. And so often, unfortunately, they decide to jettison the cargo to try to salvage the raft. Yeah, like churches too, aren't they? I mean, the church is uh, compromised, jettison the cargo, the, the doctrine, but so they don't offend anybody. Yeah, it would affect right. their numbers. Uh, that's, that's certainly what I've seen from the pastoral side of things. Uh, and it seems to be the same thing happening in Christian ed, unfortunately. Um, I have another question here. Uh, I see that you've mentioned youth ministry usurping the role of parents. I was interested in that, too. Maybe you can give me a little, little insight on that. Right. So there's a spectrum along those lines as well. Um, some actually call for the abolition of youth ministry altogether. I, I would not go that far at all. However, I would say that I think if if we're not careful, churches can come in and take on the role of parents 
because parents assume that spiritual development is something that only happens at church or mm-hmm. is something that they only get in youth ministry. Right. When rather, I think youth ministry is a helpful tool and resource, but it's just that. It's a tool and resource to reinforce what parents are doing at home and the faith development of their kids. So think Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, Psalm 78. Mm-hmm. Pass it on to your kids. Right. Um, well, I, speaking as a pastor, I don't see a whole lot of that happening in the families at home. I think they uh, they kind of give their kids up to the school system for what's called education these days, and they give it up to the church for what they think is, is the, the job and the role of the pastors. And so one or two hours a week, they're supposed to become experienced, mature disciples, which, of course, doesn't happen. Right. I was interested, too, in this phrase, uh, education idolatry. Yeah, so that came from my time working in, in Christian secondary education. And what I found was there were lots of people who worked in Christian secondary education that had come from a public school background. Mm-hmm. So maybe they taught for 5 or 10, sometimes 15 or 20 years in the public school setting. Um, they are believers, but then they would come maybe for their second part of their career and teach in Christian secondary education. And a lot of them also only had had a secular educational background in terms of how to teach their pedagogy, things along those lines. And so working in in that environment, I, I began to understand that their view of education was we're going to do exactly what we did in public school, except for we pray before we start class. Mm-hmm. Or we're going to do exactly what we did in public school, except for we have chapel once a week. And so it was a fundamental a fundamental misunderstanding, I think, of what distinctively Christian education is. And that's that everything is permeated by God. Um, everything is permeated by the gospel and by biblical truth, whether it's a math class, a history class, an art class, a music class, and yes, of course, Bible class, but it's all inclusive. And so the idea of education idolatry stemmed from that time. And great folks and lots of great conversations, and I think a lot of growth happened over those years, but it was definitely a different mindset. And of course, what they're not going to get there, most likely, in the situation you've just described— would be a Christian worldview, biblical worldview. Mm. And I'd like to hear more about your understanding of the nature of that crisis. The crisis of, of worldview in general within Christendom? You know, the Christian worldview. How do you actually get a Christian worldview, whether you're in the church school or whether you're in a secular school? What's the foundation? What does the program look like to make that happen? Well, I think some of the, the simple ways that it starts is... Um, with being faithful and consistent devotionally, uh, with reading God's Word and allowing that to become a a part of the rhythm of your life so that you're taking it in. One of the things that I noticed during seminary as well was that another side to this thing was if you go too far into scholasticism or academia with your faith, um, you can also become... um, unuseful in a lot of ways. And so you have to, you have to ground yourself devotionally, personally, spiritually as well. So that personal discipline, I think is one aspect of it, but I do think probably at a greater level, what we see and what we sense today, isn't that I don't sense that we have too many people going too far into scholasticism or in, or into academia. 
um, I do sense that we don't have a lot of people that are willing to do the hard work and the heavy lifting of thinking through things through a biblical and scriptural lens. So you have to, of course, take in God's word. You have to be faithful in attendance to um, the house of God with the people of God so that you're getting a steady diet of the word of God and you're having conversations and growing in community with the people of God. Those would be some of the common building blocks. But then just be willing as well to think through things in a way that challenges you, uh, being willing to systematically engage with God's word. Um, a lot of times I think we can view God's word as, you know, sort of like a, uh, just a pill that we pop uh, at the beginning of yeah. a day, kind of yeah. take our vitamins and then we've got it. But really to study it, really to, to seek to know um, in a more systematic way, what is it teaching? What's the overarching narrative? What's, what's the big picture of what God's trying to communicate to us? And how does that intersect with our daily lives? And how does it intersect with the issues that we face? Let me give you kind of a double-sided question here. Uh, okay. About, about Christian schools, whether you're talking about um, <clears throat> grammar schools, high schools, college, seminary, what have you. Uh, how do you see the direction of those going for the future? And uh, the backup question there is, uh, would you regard homeschool as, a, as an option for parents who are concerned about their children's education? I definitely see the direction that they're going, um, especially even in light of, of recent developments that we see in terms of the political atmosphere. I see it that they're going to have to continuously either A, find ways to innovatively hold their distinctives uh, true, or B, uh, compromise in some way, shape, or form. So you sort of see that on the horizon, see that coming down the pike. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean I like it. Um, I just I just sense that that's probably where we're heading. Yeah. And then in regards to homeschool, I certainly think it's an excellent option um, for parents really to be involved at that level in the education and in the development of their of their children. Um, spiritually, academically, and in all in all areas, you've seen a lot of growth in that area of homeschool in the in the past several years, and right. you'll probably see more growth in that area as well. It'd be interesting to see too uh, how much influence this lockdown has had on homeschool, since uh, parents are forced to do it in so many ways. And right. I know some uh, listening to them may say, "Yeah, we're starting to enjoy this. Uh, we didn't know it was so much fun." Uh, some aren't saying that too, but. Uh, <laughs> I understand that uh, a lot of Christian people are saying, uh, we don't know what we've been missing here. And they're considering seriously just keeping on doing it. Yeah, I would say so as well. I get that sense that it's been an opportunity for them to kind of try it out. Maybe yeah. it was even something they had considered in the past, but just didn't feel, uh, perhaps they didn't feel equipped or didn't feel that they had the time or, you know, whatever the reason might be. Yeah. And so after getting a taste of it, maybe it, it whet their appetite. It's a scary option at the beginning, uh, but I think once they wade into it, they realize there's some tremendous paybacks there. Sure. Benefits. Uh, you've, no, you've mentioned uh, another context that the gospel is underestimated, marginalized, and adjusted. Mm. So one of the things that's become increasingly clear to me over the years is the primacy and the centrality of the gospel. And... It seems like the church ebbs and flows. There's a pendulum swing between 
being able to focus on the gospel, to center on the gospel, and then trying other things. And and there usually is one way or another that we're trying other things. And so, for example, uh, one way might be we're going to try it. We're going to try gimmicks. We're going to try secret sensitivity. Uh, we're going to try um, cultural relevance. You know, in that vein. So, in an effort, which is really a noble effort, to be honest, to reach more people, we decentralize the gospel or we adjust the gospel. But what we do when we do that is we actually lose the gospel. And so we actually counteract what we were intending to do in the first place because we haven't really reached anyone um, at their core. We've only added maybe perhaps a few numbers, but um, nominally. And then on the other side, we have a tendency, um, you know, think the moral majority movement and things like that to overemphasize the, the morality side of things and uh, kind of get on our hobby horses for, for issues in that vein. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that we need to diminish that in any regard, but when we take our eyes off the gospel as the central issue, then what we do is misunderstand that the gospel itself is what's actually going to produce the, the change. Yeah, it's, yeah, sure. It's easy to get that out of sync. Yeah, truth is the foundation there, isn't it? Gospel truth, everything else follows from that. Mm. Uh, and a lot of these churches that are doing the uh, the so-called relevant, we have to be relevant, let's face it, but uh, a lot of it, they never get around to the gospel. Right. You know, they keep talking about what's relevant here, relevant there, and and lo and behold, they don't hear the gospel ever because they, mm. they get to the point where they don't want to offend all these new members. That's right. what I'd notice in the church. Where do you see American education going? If you could prophesy a little bit here. What about American education in the next, say, 10 years? I somewhat see the the battle lines being drawn uh, in the cultural landscape. So I think you're going to see the the solidification of those battle lines. And so the people who are heavily advocating that public schools are somewhat the last defense of, of what they view as the cultural norm, um, people who have a mindset that uh, the public school system should be the route through which um, students are informed about how to engage with cultural issues, how to engage with social issues and things like, like that. I think they're going to hunker down and I think they're going to get louder. You see a little bit of it in the news. I think it was just a couple of weeks ago, there was a Harvard professor who who really lambasted homeschooling and called it out. I don't know if you saw that in the news or not. Um, but in a way that they were fearful that if homeschool was a viable option, um, that students would be stunted, that children would be stunted <laughs> because they wouldn't have the opportunity to be exposed to the ideas that would allow them to accept what the culture deems normal, et cetera, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that battle line's been drawn, and I think you're going to see uh, the crystallization of of that come to fruition. And then on the other side, um, schools will either find innovative ways to adapt and move on, or you'll start seeing closures. Unfortunately, a lot of schools in Christian higher ed in particular are closing. Um, Hmm. It's a tough market. Um, Some are merging. Um, Some are closing. Some are just drifting away and and becoming, you know, mere shadows of what they would have been in the past theologically. So, 
it's a trend that I see is probably going to continue. Um, it's just what's happening in our world. Where do you see the, uh, the children, the students going? Are they just leaving Christian schools in general, going back to the public schools, or are they finding other alternatives, or what? what's happening there, you think? There's different groups, I think. Uh, the homeschool movement is now, as you mentioned, gaining a little bit of momentum, um, and so there may be some avenues in that. There's also some other um, secondary groups that have emerged to try to give support to that. Um, I think of Classical Conversations is a, is a group in near and where I'm at that that tries to develop the Christian worldview mind and give resources to homeschool parents and things along those lines. Mm-hmm. So I think that'll be one vein. It's an alternative. Um, I do think a lot are going to go to public schools uh, when they graduate high school. I think a lot of students are going to go to public schools. And I think that's where it's so important that parents have had that formative time with their their students prior to and not merely just, you know, um, casting it off to the church to deal with that aspect of their child's development. What do you recommend to parents who are thinking about their children going to school, whether it's grammar school or high school? Uh, do you have any basic um, guidelines for what do you think they should do? I've always felt, as long as I can remember, and even after having researched a bit and thought about it for the better part of 10 to 15 years, um, I've always felt that it's more of an individual basis and that parents should prayerfully um, consider, discern, and seek counsel on that decision for their children on an individual basis. So for one child, it may be advantageous to homeschool because of, of unique circumstances or unique characteristics that that child has. And for another, um, Christian secondary education might be an excellent fit. And for another, uh, public school might be a viable option. Um, with a lot of supplementation and and just a lot of of other elements that come to bear to to shape the spiritual uh, life of that child. So I've always viewed it as more of an individual option. I would never say, you know, everybody needs to go to Christian secondary education or you should never even consider the idea of going to a public school. I myself went to public school through through high school. Mm-hmm. And then um, I certainly would would never say everybody has to homeschool. So I think there are options. Um, I just think parents need to be informed about their role in the spiritual development of their child and then prayerfully discern and seek counsel um, with a pastor or with people who also know that child to be able to speak into their lives and say, you know, actually, have you considered this? This might be a great fit. One of the analogies I think that's really uh, captivated me in the past couple of years is when Jesus says that new wine uh, can't be contained in old wine skins. And so I think that's an analogy that we can take, and it's a biblical uh, truth that we can take to understand how to engage with uh, the culture in any of the contexts that we've talked about today, uh, but also in any other context. And so the gospel itself is powerful. It's strong. And it cannot be contained no matter what the vessel is, the old vessel is that we're trying to contain it in. The gospel will always explode it. And so we have to understand that the times are going to change. uh, The way things look around us are going to change. The vessel is always going to change. But the explosive power of the gospel is perpetually unchanging. And so if we can just keep that center... Uh, I think it will help us 
find our way no matter what the circumstances are we face. been hearing from our guest Chris Dunn about the challenges of Christian education in America and the options open to Christian parents seeking to bring up their children in the faith and keeping them as they emerge into their adult years. You can read more of his articles on TheologyMix.com. It's been a great pleasure to get to know Chris and we hope you will tune in again to meet other creative leaders of the faith. This is John Snyder for The Walk. Bye for now.